Are you ready to be stirred and receive an impartation of faith to move forward into all that God has purposed for your life? Welcome to the Stirring of the Waters podcast. I am your host, Elaine Haynes. I will be sharing what the Lord has given me through the anointing of the Holy Spirit on the Logos and Rhema words of God. Welcome to Stirring of the Waters. I'm your host, Elaine Haynes. In today's episode 28, Your Valley of Troubling Shall Become a Door of Hope. In Hosea chapter 2, verses 14 through 20, we're given an incredible account of a door of hope that is available in our places of deepest trouble. And it is absolutely relevant to our current times as well as our personal lives. I'm going to just read right now, just 14 and 15. Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak comfortably unto her. And I will give her her vineyards from thence and the valley of Achor for a door of hope. And she shall sing there as in the days of her youth and as, as in the day when she came up out of the land of Egypt. So he leads you into that place. And that Achor means troubling. So sometimes our valleys of troubling come because God wants to bring you to a door of hope that can only be accessed this way. And I think it's important to remember when we're in places of troubling that God wants to do something. There's something he wants to do in the midst of it. Sometimes we're troubled because of sin. Sometimes we're troubled because of outer circumstances. Sometimes it's internal. Sometimes it's because of the, in our, in, you could even say the state of the nation. And I'm going to give you an example of that. Um, to appreciate this door, you have to understand the backstory, which includes the idolatry of the nation. Hosea was a prophet to the nation of Israel. And at God's request, had married a prostitute who worshipped idols. This was a real-life lesson God was giving on the people's spiritual adultery and his solution. And one of the, my references, I have a number of Bibles I like to use, but oftentimes for reference purposes, my favorite is the Spirit-Filled Life Bible. And in one of the notes, it tells us that the people had just experienced a period of peace, plenty, and prosperity, but anarchy was brewing which would bring the collapse of the nation in a few short years. I'm not prophesying this about the United States. I'm just telling you the history. Hosea describes the characteristic social conditions, corrupt leaders, unstable family lives, widespread immorality, class hatred, and poverty. Though people continued a form of worship, idolatry was more and more accepted, and the priests were failing to guide the people into the ways of righteousness. In spite of the darkness of those days, Hosea held out hope to inspire his people to turn back to God. Does this sound familiar to present day? So I want to note here, God's concern is not the state of the world. It's the state of the heart worship of his people. This is a call to purity of heart, having the Lord, that he is the one that we worship. He is the one that we love, our first love. He is, um, we don't have any other gods but before him. So this is a call to purity of heart towards the Lord, to the and it's speaking in my and I believe to the body of Christ, to the church. And Ezekiel speaks to the same belief in Ezekiel 36, 23, and where God says, I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst. And the nations shall know that I am the Lord, says the Lord God, when I am hallowed in you before their eyes. 
And this is also spoken of in the New Testament, where Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 6, 17 and 18. Therefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Now, we know that we're all children of God, but there's the reality between, you know, when you, when you meet someone who follows in their father's or mother's footsteps, when they become like them, that's a true son or daughter. That's what we're talking about here, that God is calling us to not be as the world but to be focused on him. He is our heavenly father and to, he wants us to take on his likeness. We were made in his image and he wants us to, to be conformed to the image of Christ as we mature, mature spiritually. So again, the backstory. So what happened with the Valley of Achor, the history there is in the book of Joshua. So what happened was after they had the great victory at Jericho, they lost the battle at Ai. And why did they lose that battle? They lost it because Achan, one of the people, sinned by keeping back some of the spoils, the idols, that God had told all of them not to take. And he hid them. And because of that hidden sin, the blessing and protection over the nation was removed. Achan was stoned to death there, and this place was then called the Valley of Achor, or Troubling. And it was in this place of tragic troubling where God brought healing and restoration in an incredible expression of love that we're told about in Hosea, where he references the Valley of Achor. Just want to make a note here that Achan's sin reveals the principle that no man lives to himself and that the sin of one affects the lives of many. And Paul tells us in this principle in two different places, minimum, in 1 Corinthians 12 and 26, excuse me, he says that when one member of the body of Christ suffer, they all suffer. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he rebukes the church because they're feeling all puffed up with pride when someone is sinning grievously rather than mourning that that person is going to be taken from them. So here's what he says here in chapter 5, verses um, <clears throat> 1 through 6. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles or the nations, that a man has his father's wife. And you are puffed up, and have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I indeed, as absent in body but present in spirit, have already judged, as though I were present, him who has so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? So there's that principle, that if there is sin among the body, the whole body is going to be suffering. God hates sin. He loves you. He loves his people, but he hates sin. And he's just as faithful to punish the disobedient as he is to bless the steadfast. He wants to bless us. And he punishes us so that we'll begin to choose to walk in the right way and receive the blessings that he wants to give. And <clears throat> these, these blessings and cursings are not just Old Testament. There's a reality of sowing and reaping. There's a reality of consequences. And there is a necessity for us to realize these things in order to mature spiritually. 
Spiritual maturity is not independence from God, but it's dependence on him and being obedient to his leading. We are being conformed to the image of Christ, who was always submissive to the Father. So sometimes our troubling is because God wants to remove our idols, our other lovers, so we can experience his true freedom and intimate love through complete dependence on him. So when we continue with the story in Isaiah, we will find that there's enlightenment on the process that God takes us through in this valley, where it becomes transformed into a door of hope and the incredible fulfillment of promises that follow. So I'm just going to read, since I already read 14 and 15, I'm just going to read from 16 through 20. So after he allures us into the wilderness, he gives us vineyards, the valley of Acre for a door of hope, and we will sing there. And it shall be at that day, saith the Lord, that thou shalt call me Ishi, and shall call me no more Baali. For I will take away the names of Balaam out of her mouth, and they shall no more be remembered by their name. And in that day will I make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field, and with the fowls of heaven, and with the creeping things of the ground. And I will break the bow and the sword and the battle out of the earth, and will make them to lie down safely. And I will betroth thee unto me forever. Yea, I will betroth thee unto me in righteousness and in judgment <clears throat> justice and in loving kindness and in mercies. I will even betroth thee unto me in faithfulness, and thou shalt know the Lord. Excuse me, I need a drink of water. <clears throat> so he allures us. He brings us into the wilderness to speak to us. He allures us into a place where we have, we do not have our usual comforts anymore. We don't have those things that we depend on. It could be what are our idols in these present days. It could be money, selfish fulfillments, pleasure, leisure, our own human intelligence or any other human virtue. It could be where we have looked to his hand and not to his face, not to him himself as the giver of all the blessings, where we start to feel entitled, where we start to feel um, that we're owed something by him. He allures us to that wilderness where he can speak to us because he wants to form that deep relationship with us when all of our other competing loves or idols have been removed. And then we can see him as he is and recognize that he is all that we need. From that place, he says in verse 15, I will give her her vineyards. It doesn't just say I will give her vineyards. It says I will give her her vineyards from thence and the valley of Achor for a door of hope. And she shall sing there as in the days of her youth and as in the day when she came up out of the land of Egypt. So I'm going to break this down. He says, I will give you your vineyards, what he has purposed for you, those things that were laid up for you and have you not been able to access yet, where you have not had that fullness of fruit come forth for the new wine. He's going to give you this from that place. It's been prepared for you, where Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you in many mansions. But in this life here, he's going to be preparing these vineyards for you because he wants that new wine to come forth from your life. And it can only come forth when it's when you have partaken of his wine, of his presence, of his of that intimate place with him, where what you will birth forth, what you will bring forth in fruit is that that pure fruit, that new wine that's going to feed the nations and shall also be what you will be drinking from in the days to come. So in that what is the Valley of Acor troubling? Well, first of all, what's a valley? When I think of a valley in the natural, I think of a place of deep shadows. I think of a place of um, 
a lot of darkness. You know, I've been I've been camping in the valleys. I actually live in a valley right now. There's mountains all around me. So uh, there's times of the year when, uh, because of the position of the sun and where the mountains are, that we don't get the the breaking of dawn at the same time that other people that are on flatlands or high mountains get. It's later, so the days are shorter when you're in a deep valley. The nights are long, and and we can't see the other side. So in a place of the valley, you can't see your way out. You need that door of hope. You think about <clears throat> the valley of the shadow of death. And then this also reminds me of Psalm 84, 5, and 6. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, in whose heart the ways, who passing through the valley of Baca, make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. So this place, this is another valley. Baca means weeping or lamentation. It's very similar to Achor, a place of troubling, that place of weeping or lamentation. Then when you go through these places, if you lean upon him, if your heart is with him, those places of troubling, those places of weeping and lamentation shall become a well that shall bring life to you and to those around you because you have dug deep into yourself and let him fill that place and when he fills that place within you that you have tried to fill from other things when he fills that place the rain will fill the pools and you will be an overflowing fountain of waters for others so it tells us in this place in this place he gives us the valley he says he gives us this valley of troubling for a door of hope it doesn't just become that in the valley he will bring you to a door. He says he gives you the valley for a door of hope. So there's a transformational thing that takes place there. So what is that door? The door, the word door is tikva. It literally means a cord or a lifeline. And it was really interesting to me. Before I started um, preparing this, I went into a vision during worship, and I saw a person drowning, and a lifeline was thrown to her and she started she grabbed the hold of it and started pulling and it turned into Jesus himself. And he is our lifeline. He is that door. That is what was so profound to me when I started studying this out that that door actually means a cord or a lifeline because he'd given me that vision. He is the door. He is the tikva. He is your lifeline. Jesus said, "I am the door of the sheep. We're his sheep. We hear his voice." That's John 10, 7. And Revelation 3 and 20 tells us that he stands at the door and knocks. And if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. He himself is that door of hope. He is our hope. Psalm 71, 5 says, For thou art my hope. O Lord, you, you yourself are my hope. The, and Paul tell, tells us, in, <clears throat> excuse me, in, in, um, <clears throat> yes, in 1 Timothy, Paul tells us, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. He is our hope. Christ, who is our life. He is our life. He is our hope. He is our source of life. So from that place, he gives us vineyards. He gives us the door of hope. And he, we will sing there, which means not just singing like when he gives us a new song in the night, which I love. But it also means to heed, to pay attention, to testify. As in your youth, your, when you were, when he was your first love, you testified of his goodness. You testified of his mercy. You testified of the incredible thing that happened to you when he first came into your heart. He's going to bring you back to that place. 
over time, sometimes we start turning to other things. It's like Jesus plus. Jesus, well, Jesus is everything, but I also need money. But I also need a really good job, a career, a name for myself, all of those things. I, I really need um, things, you know, you name it, a vacation, whatever it is. You know, it's Jesus plus. And, but no, we just need him. And it shall be in that day that thou shalt call me Ishi and shall no more call me Baalai. Baalai is master, owner or possessor. It's, it's, it's a place of servanthood. Ishi is husband. You shall call me in that, in that day. You shall call me husband. Because in that day, your understanding will be opened and you will see him as your spouse, as your husband. You will recognize him as that. He is that. He has married you. You are married to another, to Jesus. You are married to him. There are so many aspects of Jesus, of his divinity. He's our brother. He's our, he's our hope. He's our redeemer. He is our recompense. He is our reward. He is Lord of all. And yet, he's one with us. He's our spouse. He's the bridegroom. And we're the bride, part of the bride. And so then it goes on, it says, and in verse 19, and I will be, and 20, and I will betroth thee unto me forever. Yea, I will betroth thee unto me in righteousness and in judgment or justice and in living, loving kindness and in mercies. I will betroth thee unto me in faithfulness and thou shalt know the Lord. He is doing all of those things. He is betrothing you to himself in righteousness for Christ is your righteousness he is your judgment and your justice he is loving kindness and tender mercies he is all those things and that's he's betrothing you to those things and to in himself and what's beautiful the in the spirit-filled life bible it, it also says in this what betroth means it signifies in the original language to woo a virgin. So he brings you to that place where he sees you, not as all those terrible things that you've done, not as, as your flesh, as your soul, as your all the sins that you've done in your, in your life. But he, he brings you back to that place where he sees you as from the beginning as a chaste virgin. He brings you back to that original place of first love. He brings you back to that original place of his original design for your life that's how he sees you he betroths you unto him he brings you into that place where he sees you in the purity in which he formed you and second corinthians 11 2 and 3 paul tells us for i am jealous over you with godly jealousy for i have espoused you to one husband that i may present you a chaste virgin to christ but i fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled eve through his subtlety so your mind should be corrupted for the simplicity that is in Christ, the simplicity that he died for your sins and that you are forgiven. You are cleansed. You are a new creature. You are one with the Father. You have been reconciled. You're redeemed. So he wants you to come into that awareness that whatever kind of troubling that you're in, whatever, if it's your own, if it's, your, if it's sin, then repent and immediately let him cleanse you, forgive you, and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He wants you to come back, to return, to come back to that place of true identity. He's giving you the valley of troubling for a door of hope to bring you in anew. If maybe you haven't had it before, 
If you haven't, he's bringing you into redemption and restoration. But perhaps you have gotten on the wrong track and you have, there are some idols that are in your heart that, that he no longer has first place or there's some Jesus plus that he wants you to repent of that and come back into that place because that's why he's brought you into a place of troubling, to trouble those things. It's like the stirring of the water to bring those things to the surface so he can skim them off and you can be restored to that place of oneness with him that is called Echad, where it's one with him and one with the body of Christ, one in the spirit, in the unity of the faith, which is faith in him, that everything is in him, is of him and through him and to him. He is the door and he stands before you as an open door. The way is open to you right now for complete restoration. He says, I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. That's everything that you need for life. Because he goes on to say, the thief cometh not, but for to kill, steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. That's John 10, 9 and 10. Whatever it is you need, everything that pertains to life is through that door named Jesus. I declare unto you the fruitfulness of God's blessing from this day forward shall increase in your life. In the valley of Achor, that place of great troubling, the place of regret and sorrow, the dark night where you can't see beyond your present distress, the Lord's presence is right now transforming that into a door of hope, which is bringing, you're coming into a new song of rejoicing that will burst forth into praise and glory to his name. Your vineyards shall be fruitful and burst forth with new wine. You shall see him as your one true love that your heart has longed for. All your idols, your other lovers cannot compare. They're being dried up. They're being seen as the false that they are because you, they cannot compare to that love in that place of intimate place, in that intimate place with the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing compares. See this door set before you. Step through. Leave behind the old dependencies that never satisfy and drink from his fountain that never runs dry. God bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you, and I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Stirring of the Waters podcast. If you like what you heard today, visit ElaineHaines.com, that's A-L-A-N-E-H-A-Y-N-E-S.com, for books, blogs, and spiritual growth. You can follow me on Facebook and subscribe at cpnshows.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. See you next week for the next episode.